2: Josh Brown, in a month absolutely dominated by video games returning, we're going to talk a little bit about Sifu and a whole bunch of other stuff too, because there's just so much of it. But I should also say that I'm Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown.
3: Hello, Scott Tailford. In
2: person, surrounded by the sound foam, so we can do all sorts of things, and it should be nice and crispy. I hope so. I mean, I could.
3: <laughs> I hope I'm not yelling too loud. That's the thing. I'm used to doing that in my flat, but I'm in Ooh, front of a
2: microphone at the moment. That's a problem for post-processing Tailford to Seven figure years. out, and not for right now. But this is the windup, where we always talk about the latest things, the latest news, latest games, whatever we just, whatever we want to talk about. <laughs> because we're both get, we're both getting through a lot of games at the minute. And um, Both of us have finished Sifu, i finished Horizon, you're about to finish Horizon, and we'll do a group podcast, me, you and Ben Roy, on uh, Wednesday. And we will see, we'll see, I want to see where Ben Roy's at, because he's, he, he thinks he's got some takes. Mm. He's, he's got some things to say. And um, obviously people who checked in the wind-up last week will remember me and you just going at it for about <laughs> 40 odd minutes <laughs> on hey, Horizon. you know what? I think that's, that's one of the most satisfying pods we've ever done, I think. Gosh. I thought that was really, really good. Not a to two-hour-old horns, but I thought that was an alright one. No, it was great. I think one of the, the reason I think I said this last week, that we started calling it the wind-up was because we nearly always disagree on stuff. Yeah. And I feel <laughs> that coming with Horizon overall, And um, but that's something for the rest of 2022 to figure <laughs> out. Because um, that game is, I'm not going to say it's divisive because it's not, it's clearly being received very, very well. But there's a tiny pocket of people just sort of doing the, the Thor twisted face going, is it? Is it, or is it really? Is it? And I think, I think I'm that person. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that might be where Ben Roy is. But we'll find out on the main podcast. Come back on Wednesday. See how we all do. Speaking of seeing things. Very good. Um, because we both finished Sifu. I am two trophies off the platinum. Oh. Um, and that game, um, we're going to talk about this because I feel like Sifu is uh, worth highlighting because it's in danger of being completely buried by um, Horizons, Cyberpunk's Revival, Ollie Oli World, Elden Ring. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. Maybe I'm not Windjammers 2, the tail end of that. <laughs> not that it was played in that game but Sifu overall um, what did you think of it now that you finished it because you, your Adonis skills got you through <laughs> and then, then you finished it with, that. you did you flew, you flew through with hardly any upgrades kind of like you did with Hades <laughs> and then um, and then it was me like sort of getting through it. and I've managed to clock it and stuff too but yeah what are your thoughts on Sifu after getting, getting through the whole thing
3: yeah I mean it was great it was good enough to pull me away from Horizon you know mm. I was playing that like mad and then Sifu dropped and mm. I just thought I need to play this I need to bank it so I played it for like 15 hours or so like you said you know got to the end Went back a little bit, uh, tested, flexed my skills, should I say, (laughs) after beating the final boss. And yeah, I just think it's such a a solid game that, to use a Tailfordian expression, uh, (laughs) you could just sort of like drink it up. You know what I mean? When you're living in Sifu, it feels great. And it kind of got me in the same mental state as Returnal, where I was like Mm. up all night trying to do one more run, seeing how far I could get, see if I could get get my age down. Mm. And I just think it had that kind of like level of addictiveness and that level of. Um, you know, like tightness, just one more, precision. Just one more run. Yeah, that one more run mentality. That just, you know, it, it took me away for three days, three or four days, and I loved it. And I want to get back to it once the games have settled down right. a bit at the end of February.
2: It was so funny because I remember when you messaged me and you were like, just, "I think you did the first level almost first time." I watched Jules do a, a stream on it because mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, I'll watch Jules. Maybe he'll die a lot and it'll make me feel better." No, he didn't. <laughs> go All the way through to the like the third boss or something, he beat the second boss like his first time. Yeah, and I was like, "Is everyone just getting?" A... But then you look at the trophy percentages for this. This game, and they are massively off. Like it's, There's a huge drop-off. Um, last I checked it was about 80% of people getting through the first level and about 30% of people getting through the second level and they have patched um, Sean, the second boss, to try and get people through. Really? Um, yeah, they, patched, they literally um, patched how aggressive he is. Um, people ah, okay. did a side-by-side, um, literal animation frame comparison uh, in terms of he'll come at you with a 3-5 to five hit combo. You can duck most of it or sway out of the way of it. Um, and then the old version of him would keep the pressure on and stay close to you and follow up with one of the orange attacks, which are harder to block. Now now he steps away. That's so that, like, yeah, interesting because you know I, I managed to get
3: shown down at the end. But mm. one part of that fight that always gave me bother was right when you're close to beating him, when he's got like less than a third of his health, mm. he gets so aggressive, and yes. you just you need to be like on the ball, and he'll always like, or more or less, he'll mm. like hit you, and he gets so aggressive. So that's interesting that they dialed that back because that to me never felt really unfair, but I was kind of it would annoy me every time I got to well, that the stage. Thing
2: is, I, uh, just to, to reveal to the audience, I got very annoyed the other night I very very annoyed I'm not going to say what I did in the end because it's very say, tell it's very feral. what you did I bit a controller Josh Brad I just needed to do something and I just I was like oh my god and it's not something about being that frustrated about a game just puts me in like a feral childish state and it's yeah. only me doing it like my wife had gone to bed it was like 1am I was always trying to do was this one trophy which is you got to get 5,000 5, score on one level and I'm going to I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say I've never bit a controller before I know Jules has <laughs> um, when he was a child and um, and so I was trying to get this one score where it's like, get 5,000 points in one level. And I was like Googling, like, okay, what's the best level to do this on? And a couple of different websites, it said do it on the first level because it's in theory, it's the easiest one. Um, but you can't die and if you get hit, it'll take you out of your multiplier that you need to maintain to get 5,000 score. And so I tried that over and over again, kept getting jabbed, because there's always some enemy that just jabs you out of nowhere, <laughs> took, the, took the multiplier down again. And every time that happened, I would just hit pause and restart. Hit pause, restart, an hour went by. Two hours went by. Because right. there's always a jab. There's always one little jab that gets in the way. I eventually got all the way through the level, avoiding everything. I got to the very end, and my score was 4,920, and I Ooh. got jabbed again. Oh. And I went, oh! And I just got the controller. I bit the controller. The interesting thing
3: about that is right Scott I wonder because I'm I got that trophy but I wasn't trying to get the trophy mm. and I think sometimes when you're playing one of those games, if you have a specific goal in mind, and you're just trying to do it, yes. like you get the yips, you know what I mean? You the overthink yips. it. Do uh, you, you know what about the yips? the yips? The yips is when you overthink something that is usually so simple or comes uh, naturally to you, yes. to the point where suddenly you can't do it. Like That's do you- That's me
2: you doing thumbnails for the channel every <laughs> single morning. Yeah. This, this morning's news go video. Go yeah.
3: Yes, it is. But sometimes I get that when I'm, especially if I'm trying to get a very specific thing. Mm. Whereas I got that trophy by doing what you mentioned there, going back to the first level, but I wasn't trying to get it. It was right. just because I was frustrated with the final boss, and I was like, "Well, I'll try maybe getting a different build."
2: And I went back and just you know wrecked all the boys. The thing, the, the thing is, like, C is one of the best flow state games ever. Yeah. Like, if I'm, having, I'm I can play that game perfectly when I'm having a conversation with someone. Like, I'm, my mind's not even on it, and I'm Dude. dodging everything. The multipliers are sky high. Yeah.
3: It's funny how that works, man. Like, I, I want to know the psychology of it because mm-hmm. when I was playing that or Returnal or any kind of game like that, for me, I do better when I'm when I've got music over the yes, top. If I've got Spotify same. linked to it. And the best runs I had in Sifu were the ones where I was just kind of, no, you're paying attention, but like I said, you're not it's overthinking thinking like it. Yeah, yeah, it's in you. You're just kind of like going off instinct and muscle memory and what you've learned. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like have this layer of detachment from the music. And that's when I did, you know,
2: that's how I beat it. That's uh-huh. how I did the best runs, how I got that trophy and stuff. So well, and that's okay, something I'm always fascinated by. The thing to point out is that, so I will say to anybody listening who wants the 5,000 score, just go do it in the club. Just go to the, the club, core, eh? Because the club has way more enemies. It's way easier to get your multiplier up also if you go to the museum first and uh, find the absolver mask or you find you can find a whole bunch of masks on the third or fourth uh, like tier of the museum the third level of the museum yeah i don't think what it's called floor is the word that i want and um, you can find a mask display and if you find a certain uh, mask in there it'll give you a focus move called the calvert okay and if you use the calvert which is the one where you go to attack someone and then you fake them out and tap them on the back of the head <laughs> you get a times five multiplier right there right so if you drop it um, if someone jabs you and you lose the multiplier, just use Calvert to get it back up again and then keep going. I did that in the club and I got 7,000 score. Wow. I was like, that is how it should be. See? And also, Sifu, it was brilliant. That, <laughs> no, that sounds like a really good tip, but the club itself is an interesting,
3: it's interesting that you did it there mm. because for me, the club oh, was the club. full of little madheads who would always get that chip damage, you know, that little jabbing or something. Those and ed- yellow those, guys, man. Those yellow guys, yeah. the big lad with his top off mm. who like hits you so hard and it's so hard to deflect him. Mm. He's often t- with a who's like really agile yes. and fast you know what i mean they're the uh, ones who
2: they attack in different rhythms also when i say yeah. yellow guys there's a yellow aura that some of them get yeah, sometimes yeah. you do fo- focus moves and uh, they'll counter you and throw you off and then they ignite in like a yellow flame yes and then they get annoying as hell yeah all their timings <laughs> change they're doing like four string attack combos all your muscle memory goes out the window it's infuriating
3: well what I, what I love about this game is that there's like such depth to it like like you said you know mm. you went through um, unlocking all of the upgrades and moves that you could get whereas i just sort of did it. I like, kind of brute forced it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I like brute forced it with just kind of like doing it with what, what I knew. I had like four moves unlocked and that's mm. all I needed to get me through. But there was, I feel like there's a whole layer of it, not only in the mechanics, but also in the story
2: that I wouldn't appreciate until the second time around. Yeah. So the thing, the thing is one of the, like, because right now it's my game of the year. I think that it's, it's it'll be easy to beat because I think it's yeah. only up there because nothing else has blown me away this much. But there's an extra level to see if you, that you get when you beat it. Um, Where, like, you know, you're driven by vengeance. The whole story is that your character's, uh, like, father master has been killed by this person that you play as in the intro. Um, And then you get killed as well. And it's like you're in this big, sort of, like, bloody vengeance kick or whatever. And you're just driven by rage and anger. And you're out to get blood, which is a a great way to manifest that you are just taking these bosses out as best you can. And then when you defeat the final boss, um, your character looks a bit sad. And just sort of, you kind of get this great emotion from him where it's like, oh, was it all worth it? And then it just cuts to black. You don't get credits. Um, And then and you go back to the, um, the hideout where you're prepping again and you get told, I think the game literally spells out, it says now you can spare enemies or like right. there's, there's something it tells you that propels you, it's like maybe there's something else here that you should go seek out. And so you figure out that if you go um, back to the bosses and defeat them stamina-wise, you need to break them twice. Um, if you break them twice, you'll get the option to spare them. And then um, that's the true ending. You need to, like, you need to have mastered the game's um, you know combat enough so that you can withstand a, like, almost a 1.5-length fight with them um, so that you can literally learn how to weave and block everything, like take everything they can throw at you, um, completely block all of it, spare all of them, and then you get the true ending. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they talk about Wude, which I've not looked into Wude, but apparently Wude is like, this sort of peaceful mindset—it seems to be the opposite of kung fu or whatever, if I'm interpret- interpreting it from the game. Um, but like various characters talk about mastering wude, and that seems to be where your character's mindset is at by the end. Yeah, um, and I also love that because of the death mechanic, where you're you know you're resetting over and over again. And you kind of think that the whole game takes place in your character's head, um, but they planned enough seeds that you're actually, like, transporting your consciousness back in time or whatever it is, um, because if you, like, it almost Dark Souls, it. if you pick up all the bits of, bits of lore um, and you, you know, take keys from later levels and then go back in time and open doors that were locked in the first area or whatever, you find all this lore about the Guardians and what was going on in the background and this ancient, like, um, cabal of people who messed with time. And it was just so cool. And I was like, oh, there's all these layers to this. That's fascinating that uh, you know are, like rewarding to do a whole other like loop over and over again and narratively or textually, it is about mastering the core mentality of why you would study a martial art yeah like, or why you would you know enter into that headspace at all and i just it's just that thing where like it's very it's like yoda it's like it's quick to be anger it's quick to anger and like you know all that kind of thing all the crossovers of mysticism and you know mastering a martial art but i was like there's a mindset to this that is actually quite peaceful in mm. the end um, and it's just like, yeah, I love everything that it does, but goddamn, I still bought a bit of a controller. So, it's, <laughs> well, what can you do? Well, no, it's, it's great that you mentioned
3: all that because I thought it was a game about battering lads it is and a bit. braying them and <laughs> shucking them off. Uh, Kicking stools into their legs and, mostly, them up and
2: punching like, them in the face. Yeah,
3: shinning them was <laughs> most of the story when I got, but obviously, you know, I just only played it once even though I was getting a lot of the unlockables and I was going back to those mm. hidden rooms that you mentioned, like I wasn't even necessarily interested in piecing it together. To me, it was very much a Hitman 2 situation. Mm. We've talked about this before, where when I played Hitman, it was just a sandbox and the story was so um, secondary yep. that I it didn't take any of it in. And It was the same here, where I was just so focused on the mechanics, mm. I didn't take the story in necessarily, but it, well, I like that it's got all of these layers to reward mm. people who will go back and will interrogate it you know, over and over again.
2: Because well, that's the thing, they don't, That's. I think that's That's one of the beautiful things about it is that they don't give you that much on the first run because yeah. you should be solely focused on twatting the living hell out of everything, <laughs> including all the bosses. And uh, even before you get to Fahar, who's the first boss, or Fajar, um, there's a locked door. And I, like, I think a lot of people will subconsciously remember that um, because you eventually pick up a key in the museum that says, like, oh, this is for the for that locked door and it shows you a picture of it. And so that's your first sort of hint of like, oh, I'm going to have to go back in time to get through that door to find out more about why what happened with Fajar. And then all that stuff links into the final area. um, like the um, the sanctuary and what's going on there and just I just love the way it all interconnects but like yeah it is still brutally hard I kind of wonder if anyone else is even going to bother with this but overall like I do love that it's like the way they dole it out, it's like if you just keep scratching at the surface, there's enough little things to sort of pull out, and it's like, oh, there is actually a lot here that they could build on.
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, my worry going into it that it was going to be short or maybe like lacking mm. in content, and I don't think that's the case. I think it, you know, feels like a, a big game. It mm. feels much bigger than I ever expected it to be. Mm. Not just in the narrative, but also in like the depth and the complexity of the game mechanics and stuff. Mm. It's funny that you mentioned that door because I did also subconsciously, you know, note that down <laughs> yes. and I wanted to go back immediately, but I was disappointed whether, when there wasn't like a weapon. In there? Because oh. I, I thought there was going to be uh, something that helps you beat the boss quicker Ooh. or something like that. I thought it was going to be very mechanic driven, and obviously it th- was
2: building the story. One super quick thing is that I love the Breath of the Wildian thing of everything mm. you needed to beat, everything was in you all along. Like, right, it's just, you just have to master it, and it's just like all those perfect dodges are all in you. It's just timing, and yeah, it's true. But also, a bit of wood helps you know, <laughs> a plank of wood you could pick Josh, up, Josh. A bit of wood helps drown very much. idea <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that you can obviously spec towards all the uh, the damage buffs and like yeah. uh, weapon um, durability. And you can, yeah, you can literally, like, you know, take a bamboo stick with you from the beginning to the end. If you question, want. is Scott, for Go you. On. Would you
3: recommend this to everyone? Because I loved, you know, I'm not sure if anyone knows this, but I loved Returnal, <laughs> last year. It was my game of the year. But I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. Right. Just, just Fu. I almost called it Sifu. Been calling He's it Sifu so over and over again all the time. Sifu. Keep making that mistake. Uh, is Sifu
2: more accessible in that regard? Oh no, God! I think I think it's more accessible. I think it, pretty much anybody would get through the stones, the first level. Um, well, maybe that's, that's the thing. I think that it's such a brutal brick wall. The the key thing that made me hate Returnal is that I'd never felt like it told me what I was doing wrong. Yeah, and it was just like just jab- it was like the like the in this game where you get jabbed out of nowhere. You at least know well I should have pressed L one there. Yeah. or whatever. Whereas in Returnal I was dying through a laser that came through the wall behind me or like I was just getting sniped by some auto homing missile and I never knew what it was and I also think in terms of like literal calibration the runs that you do in Returnal are like 40 odd minutes long and then you just get kicked back to the start and it's like well what was that even for? Whereas like at least in um uh, Sifu, there's always XP carryover or there's, you're, you are like learning your muscle memory and things like that. So it's weird. I, I want everybody to play it but yeah, it, it has such a brutal I mean, you can literally tell on the trophy data. Yeah. Like some people threw themselves at it, got all the way to the second boss and then just got flattened and went, okay, okay, sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have to give it a minute. But what about, what about you? Do you think like of the two, how do they line up in terms of accessibility I think, and recommendability?
3: I think so and I think the I mean, returnals kind of solve this now because I know it added in a mm. s- suspend feature but mm. I think like you said, you know, the big difference Differentiation between the two is the length of the runs. You know, some of the some of Saifu Sifu's um, <laughs> levels can be quite lengthy. Simon
2: Sifu, that's, that's the him. full name. That's him. Yes.
3: Uh, some of the levels can be quite long. You know, if you're doing the full run mm. of the club, for instance, it might be like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, including the boss, maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you get shortcuts like that time drops drastically yeah. so I think it is it's better if you have a schedule for instance where you only get half an hour to game a mm. day so you can jump in you can try the ooh. club again and oh do you um, not I agree? Like
2: I, well because the thing is if you get like jabbed and then you get knocked back it's like well I didn't accomplish anything in that half an hour that would be me anyway I wouldn't be able to get anywhere.
3: I know what you mean I, I suppose <laughs> that's true but I think you have to get jabbed quite hard Yeah, but like I mean I think the, uh, the death mechanic is way more forgiving than in Returnal obviously because Returnal is a roguelike but mm. I think that even if you you know you die or something unless you're going for the perfect run like me and you were towards the very end Mm -hmm. like just getting through one of those levels is a reward in in itself so then if you got through level three for instance age 55 and you you might know that you probably aren't going to finish the game off that save at least you've got to the end of the level at least you've acquired some knowledge at least maybe you've tried to build and then the next night if you had another half now you could go back and try it again to improve it. think you get more progression. Yeah I love that
2: they give you like obviously it's on PlayStation so PS4 PS5 versions but I love that they give you like it's a nice set of incremental trophies like even Mm. when you have obviously you get a trophy for beating each boss you get one for beating the game you get one for amassing all the things you can find per level so you're building that detective board of like all the different bosses weaknesses and stuff and then you also get stuff for when you spare each individual boss so that they are trying to push you towards seeing all of it I think I think all that stuff is very intelligently designed like it's a really nice matrix of like this becomes this becomes this and I think it does encourage you. To see everything, and um, the two trophies that I've got left now are um, beat the whole game uh, less than less than fifty years old, which seems do- that seems very doable. Yeah, I say this now, I'll buy another controller. No, you but- can do it. I did it age fifty one, and that was without like you know right. trying to get that trophy. I would so have, like, I would have deleted. I, that's another thing I didn't tell you. I because I got so annoyed, I, I bit the controller, and then I deleted Sifu and then I went on the library and I, and I hit it, and I was like, no, <laughs> get get out of my life. Sifu. <laughs> hit it. I don't even want to see you. And what then about? it was days later. I was like, well, I can't let it beat me. I unhit it and I reinstalled it, and then I, I did stuff. But that's the whole thing, you know, getting back to the uh, trophy thing is like I think I can do the level, th- like, you know, age 50 thing because I'll just take the shortcuts and I'll just run straight there. I know how to sway out the way of everything. Um, now, whereas doing the whole game and doing it less than 25, that feels like that's going to kill me. Yeah, I, I agree. Like this is... That means you can't die, what, like... like- Three times in a certain level. I mean, I, I mean, you could,
3: technically, you could die five times. Mm. if You keep resetting your death counter, but well, that would be—you'd have
2: to keep on. You'd still of be it. aging up. It's just that your death counter would go down. So yeah, you yeah, yeah, it. yeah. yeah. But speaking of the yips, though, like um, beat the final boss, swayed out the way of everything, absolutely demolished him, felt incredible, went back to the stones, got killed by the first person with a pipe. <laughs> I was just like. Well, I I, I I knew what to do. Like, how
3: did you? Uh, that's fine, man, because your brain's your brain's on a very specific enemy. You know, your brain yeah. and your muscle memory is focused on blocking those jabs, <laughs> blocking those haymakers coming in. A pipe, he doesn't have a pipe at the very end it's of the just, game. It's just, it's not the same.
2: We mentioned that guy before that uh, changes up the timing. And there's, there's something, because you're, you're trying to memorize all the timing. Any enemies can hit you at all times. I will say, as a genuine negative, I think the camera can really suck in this. It really can. Sometimes it can get really stuck in the environment. It can absolutely cause you to die. Yep. Um, And you just, you know, enemies, it's just that classic thing of, you know, you back up into the camera, um, it's stuck on some level geometry or something, and then all the enemies pile in, and all you see is the hit markers of you getting hit, and you're like, well, guess I'll die then. I had an
3: issue as well um, in some of the later levels uh, where it's like it was too dark, Mm. and when I was kicking enemies into shadows, like my brightness was calibrated properly, but I was kicking uh, fellas into shadows, and then like it would just be too dark to see what they were doing, what they were winding up. I could just see the health bar. And I was like, that kind of sucks. The camera thing kind of sucks. It's not like a huge deal, but when you're on those final runs, Mm. you know what I mean? And every hit counts it could be frustrating I
2: kind of wish you could unlock a focus move that let you detect if a bottle was going to be thrown at you as well because that was another thing trying to do that whole level on one infinite combo and a bottle just comes out of the frame and smashes me in the side of the head here man for five
3: years I've been wanting to do like the best bottle chuckers in uh, video game history because it's unreal to throw a bottle in The Last of Us it's unreal to do it in this game like just absolutely hoying one off someone's noggin if you
2: time it so that it's the one that knocks them out you get such a little Base like boom, like alongside it as well. I will also throw in James Earl Cash's bottle throw from Manhunt. I'm just Ah, thinking of bottle throws. At this stage, Um but yeah, it's it's one of those things that just like of all the different moves they give you, and they give you a lot, um, especially in the earlier tiers. If you uh, start banking like the XP to unlock stuff before, because they they age out. So once you're past like age 29, you can't access the stuff that's in the 20s bracket and the 30s bracket. But the stuff that's in the 20s and the 30s is like sprinting attacks and um, more sort of devastating focus moves that like, you can um, do on with the with a blade. Where it's like you have to like if you invest entirely in your focus bar, have three uh, three pips to use. Yeah, you can bank. That on just cutting a guy's leg. Well, tell
3: me more about this before what? if we move on. I don't know how much mm. we've got oh, we'll to talk, on, about then, but, uh, talk about this. But I don't want to move on. I want to talk about this. Tell me more about this, um, you know, the actual combos that you can unlock. Because mm. like I said, you know, I went through the game and I unlocked the ability to uh, kick things on the floor. <laughs> yes. I unlocked the ability to catch things thrown yes. at me. I unlocked the uh, roundhouse kick that is triangle, triangle, gap, triangle. Oh, and interesting. the right. last one that I unlocked was, um, what was the last one? It was the focus Move where you do the leg sweep. Those were the only moves
2: that I had for the game. No way! You got like a like a tenth no, no i going to be I'll be a tenth a fifth maybe of what okay. I've got like I mean yeah they're all fundamental moves especially the leg sweep because you can use it on bosses and stuff but there's a lot more stuff you can factor into combos like one thing as well is a feint that you can get by pressing um, square then triangle straight away and your character sort of like whips around and puts their back to someone and then you press triangle and then you do a really sick roundhouse that just can catch like four guys at once nice um, that's really cool um, did you not get the 360 swipe with the stick as well when... I don't know what that is oh okay if you have, if you have two focus bars uh, and you have a I um... never got past one focus bar <laughs> <laughs> but it, if you have two focus bars and you have a, a bow staff, you can do the Neo move from Matrix Reloaded where you just spin around. That's and everyone awesome. around you just gets wiped out. It's great. Um, but yeah, if you have three focus bars, you can do the knife thing where you just like slice a guy's leg. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff. There's um, You can tank hits. Um, you can unlock a move where you hold L1 to block and then press triangle, and you'll tank whatever's coming at you, absorb the damage, um, but still jab them back so you can counter that way. Um, you get a move where you can hold square to duck whatever's coming at you and punch back. So oh, okay. there's kind of moves like that. There's also, um, it's a bit Mortal kombat either where everything can be factored into every other combo so if you unlock the crotch punch for example um, which is double forward square it was a crotch punch I wish I saw that I would have unlocked that there's a really nice crotch punch it's not as nice as Johnny Cage's but it's a nice little crotch punch and um, if you do that you know you can do that in the middle of any other combo so you can end on it you can start on it you can factor it in Um, but yeah you get a ground counter as well so there's those pesky pipe lads if they come at you for that finishing blow you just catch you just counter them you do like a leg sweep and then you get back on top of them and you kill them instead (laughs) it's just they really flesh these things out. I think that, like I said, the most of the most um, usable ones, like in terms of literal utility per scenario, are in the younger brackets. So it's one of those things where they almost punish people who are getting killed more, because you'll age up faster, yeah. and then you won't be able to get the stuff that, you know, because like one of them is like a running, um, you press triangle, you do a running leg sweep, so you immediately put them in the down state, yeah. and then you can get on top for another two.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite Hits. I wonder if that's like a kind of weird catch 22 because,
3: mm. you know, if you're not so good at the game, you'll be repeating those early stages over and over again yeah. and dying a lot. So I wonder whether they make those the first unlock. So like people prioritize them. So then maybe they unlock them well, permanently. The, the weird perhaps.
2: thing that skews that is that all their XP allowances are 1000 or 1200 or whatever, right. which is a lot in this game. You like, you almost you barely get that amount in the stones unless you're maximizing a times five multiplier or whatever anyway. So little things like that, I can see the argument for those not being balanced as well as they could, but I just think that they're skewing towards payoff over time. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, and it, it asks a lot of you, I think. Like, it, it depends what anyone's individual predilection towards frustration is, but I know that I'm it's right there at all times. It's like a little demon to my Dude, right side. Dude,
3: what are you going to do? Like, double teaming this with Elden Ring at the. I don't, weekend? I don't,
2: I don't know if I, I've, I've never said this on a public forum, but when I was a child, I snapped a TV remote. I Did got so really? annoyed playing Jet Li's Rise to Honor because in that game, you could attack the enemies and they could interrupt you, but when they attacked you, you couldn't interrupt them right and i was very young i don't know that game came out 2005 and um maybe younger than that and i was playing that game and i need to interrupt my combo and then and then flat me and i was like and i just snapped the tv <laughs> remote and then i looked at it going well that's i, I can't take that back i've done something <laughs> horrible there and then i didn't i didn't get frustrated at all for like 15 years or whatever It's it good is. that so good. i just sort of went okay i've hit my limit i i can recognize that's the maximum of what a person a human should do when they're frustrated and uh, and it's stupid and humiliating and don't do it again Enter Sifu, and all this mentality comes back again. I'm just, can you just let me attack the thing? I'm getting worse with age, man. I was playing Horizon and <laughs> Forbidden West last
3: night, and I was in one of the relic ruins. I was trying to solve a puzzle in there, right. and I couldn't figure it out. And I was so annoyed that my girlfriend <laughs> was trying to help me at the time, and she was like, "Just, just chill out, man. Like, this, have I love, some patience. My like, just
2: turn it off. No, no, no." no because no. I mean, then it then it wins. <laughs> yeah. and it's that card. I can't get beat
3: by a relic ruin. Exactly. You know what I mean? A, a puzzle. <laughs> the puzzles in Horizon as well are like so obvious. And yeah. it's,
2: it's on. Me Go to, to the miss shiny it. thing underwater. It's, yeah, it's probably down there. And
3: if you don't do it, you know, within thirty seconds, a character will say, "This is the answer, by the way," <laughs>
2: so you can move on. I love when you try and you t- try and take a breather from anything in Horizon and Aloy just repeatedly says over and over again, I really should get to that point <laughs> I really should I know Aloy like I am you like I'm fully aware of what's going on I think I mean, it's funny we were,
3: me me, Scott and um, Ash our friend Ash Milman were uh, talking about this <laughs> game I think, Ash yeah I think the one thing we all agreed on was the fact that <laughs> that, that dialogue where you just try to figure <laughs> off and then you're constantly reminded to do the exact same thing over and over again uh-huh. and sometimes it keeps triggering even when you're in a cutscene, in Elo saying something else, you can hear her
2: overdubbed, <laughs> like like she's haunting you during those scenes, man. Crazy. The thing is as well, we, okay, we'll transition into Horizon. Um, Sifu, phenomenal game. Yeah. Recommendable, but just know that it's going to ask a lot of you. I think that is intentional um, because you're meant to overcome that. And that is part of the, the sort of meta value. of. I, I hate how the word meta is poisoned these days because it <laughs> used to be a cool little word for like, you know, almost a fourth wall break or whatever. But the meta of Sifu, um, you are going to understand how frustrating you're getting and then find peace and find Wude and everything else. Um, phenomenal game. Horizon Forbidden West, though, is very much built to be this big, opulent... You know, I I think it's too close to the Ubisoft formula, but it's that style open world. He's a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff to go do. But then in regards to Aloy, (laughs) the more stuff you do that isn't the main path, the more she just keeps trying to get you back on the main path again.
3: It's it's funny to play, man, because I... Spent about 20 hours just doing side stuff, just like mopping right. up uh, the, kind of the open it. world, kind of Death Stranding it. You know, I was having a great time, but it was funny because I got to this point in one of the side missions, you know, obviously not to spoil anything, but mm. Silence popped up, who yeah. was very much featured in the first third of the game prominently, then kind of disappears for mm. reasons that I won't say. Mm. Uh, and then he kind of like, someone said his name and he popped up again. I was like, I forgot about you. <laughs> I forgot you were in this game. And that's my fault for, you know, prioritizing all the side stuff. But, but it's, it's like, uh, game strangely
2: past Like, Aloy's um, not seeing him for, like, weeks at this point, yes. whereas my Aloy went to see him the next day or maybe later that day or something, because, <laughs> like, I was getting through it for review, so I was, like, burning through it, yeah. doing little handfuls of side stuff to just see what was going on, the caliber of the side qualities, uh, side mission stuff, but um, I was, like, mainlining the main stuff, but you've played, I think, 50-odd hours of Horizon. Yes. Now, so where are you on it overall? Because I... I I come across very negative on it, but it's because I focus on on the negatives. There's absolutely a conversation that can be had just focusing on the positives. Totally. However, I just keep thinking that all those positives were in Zero Dawn. And I, that's my main thing, is that I don't think Forbidden West brings enough to the table.
3: I know what you mean. I, I, I think that's a totally, you know, valid criticism, a valid take. It is very much Zero Dawn, like, beefed up. You know, it's, it's, it's more of the same in a lot of ways. To me, I like the way that they've polished a lot of the stuff. I think it's still, you know, incredibly entertaining to play, mm-hmm. entertaining to watch unfold. Um, I've played, yeah, yeah, like you said 56 hours now I've got two story missions left oh, and I know and I, I wish I could have stayed up last night but I was just like I can't I've played it all day 2 AMs <laughs>
2: when the controllers get thrown so you want to avoid that
3: mate exactly I need to go to bed but yeah kind of just uh, echoing what I said on last week's podcast I'm pretty much the same where I was there back then I thought that I might be able to break out into four and a half star territory right. it hasn't quite done that for me it's a very 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 solid uh, four star and I'm really loving it and I love what are we going to end up agreeing up because I gave it four stars. Well, it's funny. I think we said this last week. We, we both have the same score. We just had very radically different uh, <laughs> positives and negatives on it. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that um, I would certainly improve, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to the story and the writing of the characters. But I think as a game, as a open world game, mm-hmm. I couldn't disagree with you more when you compare it to Ubisoft stuff because I look at, you know, things like Assassin's Creed Valhalla that I mm-hmm. forced myself to complete. Mm-hmm. And this is the opposite. You know, I got to the mm-hmm. end of this game and uh, I was like, I I could have done with some more. I could have. I wish the the, the left hand side of the map was maybe a little bit a little bit larger mm. for for more stuff to be um, you know
2: it's packed weird, in there. Like as an overall structure, because it is this big wide diamond horizon in this case. It's a really big really wide diamond thing. It's like you start in this little in there uh, the dawn to whatever it's called, yeah. which I think is a horrible opening bit. Like. What well, was a little face. I, I, I don't know. what Horrible. That's harsh. The opening of this game has horrendous pacing. I think it makes a terrible first impression. I think okay. that they do a weird... It's almost like you're playing the epilogue for the previous game as the opening for this. That's true, yeah. And it's really, really weird. All the stuff with the Sun King and he's trying to get Aloy to be like his bride or something. And it's like, what what is that conversation? And uh, that was really weird. And then you sort of go down into this place called The Daunt and you go to Chain Scrape, which is a lot of the dialogue in Chain Scrape, for me, broke everything because it was way too modern. It was just way too... It just felt like I was... like watching any, you know, sort of, um, you know, any random show that's on TV right now. And that was just really weird. And then the Daunt itself is this little pocket of, like, kind of some side stuff and kind of things that are going on with this um, this uh, guy that's this, like, foreman called Ovund, who's trying to, like, exploit the workforce. And it's like, you get a little window into, like, well, you can kind of get some agency in there and you can kind of, like, cause things to happen. But it's still not the game proper. Yeah. And then you kind of have to have to go to this, like, summit, this embassy, um, and then you meet the Tanakh and then you meet Regala, the main villain, or one of the main villains. And then, like, things open up from there but that's like a 10 hour stint if not yeah. more if you spend more time there and i just think i don't know why it takes so long to get there and if they want to do those scenes like it's just it's a weird bridge where they try and go like well people love zero dawn so we should tie off this meridian stuff um, but I just think it drags its feet for ages, and that's why it makes me think of the Ubisoft stuff because it's like here's some stuff, and it's like you know AC Odyssey had that, sorry AC uh, Origins had that, yeah, where you were um, that game was very much abing Breath of the Wild um, in terms of like here's an opening space, and then we're going to open you up. Which I feel like that's probably what this is doing too.
3: Yeah, I think I think you're right, man. Like I, I enjoy the opening more than you, but it certainly mm-hmm. takes a long time to get going, and it doesn't necessarily make the best first impression because it is, like you said, trying to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. You don't get to the Forbidden West for a for a long, long time. Essentially, yeah. you don't get to like the proper bulk of the open world for, like you said, you know, 10 hours or so. Mm-hmm. But once you do get there, for me, it just became what I enjoyed about the first game. I know you might think that is a, perhaps a, a negative because well, that, it is so similar. That's the best thing about it. It's just right. that
2: every, at every step of the way, it reminded me of Zero Dawn. It, this game feels like Zero Dawn without the story pull. Which is like that's like like that can be as as big of a meter as you want because like the gameplay is phenomenal for what it is Um, and all the animations are phenomenal. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Like that's the thing has it obviously has a market step up in quality over Zero Dawn, even though that game did get a PS5 update thing. Um, but that's kind of the big standout positive is the visuals. Yeah. Whereas like in Zero Dawn, it was paced so well. They had so many great reveals, the mystery. Uh, like, Aloy as a character had way more to her, like figuring out who she was in the eyes of the Nora but, uh, in the tribe and she didn't have a mum, and all the stuff with Elizabeth Sobek. And like, there was so many things there that were built. And it's such a great arc, like over time. Which isn't in here at all. Like yeah. they, 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 kind of seed some stuff at the start of this, of like all the work that she did in Zero Dawn is actually um for naught because uh, all the stuff with Gaia and the AI is still out there, still needs to be solved. So she's kind of a fake messiah, and everyone's still calling her savior. And you see her sort of struggle with that, but then they don't do anything else with it, and then she starts referring to herself as the savior, and then she's having a go at people because they they still believe in the old world or they whatever. yeah. And I'm like, what are you actually writing for this character? At this I point? think
3: it is. I think it's difficult. Like when it comes to like the main story, it's had a lot of reveals that I've really enjoyed. But I think the writing is—it's—it's it's really spotty in a lot of places. Yeah. The side missions have been my favorite thing to do. I think the side missions have a lot of interesting characters. I think they're well written. They take sometimes some turns that you don't expect. But I think one of my issues with the game is that Aloy herself, like you said in the in the in the original, was memorable, had a mm. distinct arc, and here. I haven't felt connected to her and her story because her story is kind of just her wanting to save the world yeah. which is of course good but um when you have a you know a 30 hour main campaign and you I want some more depth to yeah. her I want some more dimensions to her I want to know I want to know what she's bad at as well as what she's good at because mm. she's good at everything and that's mm. quite cool because she's definitely justified that but it's kind of like I want to see her fail more perhaps you know i want to see yeah. her kind of like have run into an issue that she can't solve or she needs the help of other people and that kind of is a threat that goes throughout but mm-hmm. overall there's just i don't know man there's like there's, there's, there's something about her character where i just don't feel she she feels like a clone you know she is a yeah. clone and she, and she <laughs> kind of she feels like one throughout and Towards the end of the game, they've kind of like started to do more with that. They've started to define her more and what makes her, you know, special in comparison mm-hmm. to Elizabeth Sobek, for instance. Uh, but yeah, like so much of it, she's just kind of a. Uh, to, so something to that the player should project on And This is this comes to my point that I mentioned to you this morning. I actually wish this game was just a full on RPG because right. it already has kind of pretensions of that. You know, you look it at the way it is, to be I think in a lot of ways it is like the the, the side missions especially might as well be ripped out something like The Witcher yeah. Three. You know, uh, the world the way it's structured is very much like The Witcher Three, but it's lacking the player's control over the central protagonist. And you do get dialogue options, mm. but you don't get to tailor really who. Um, Aloy is. You get no. a few where you can like, you know, like like in the first game you can talk compassionately, you can talk intellectually or whatever to solve a problem that way, but they're few and far between. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the issue with her characterization that I have will be solved if I could personalize it more and make her more direct. If I could make yep. her, you know, believe in certain things or, you know, approach certain things in in this way rather than have her kind of be this, this, this person who is just like... I had to explain, just like generalize. I just suppose. stuff.
2: Yeah, getting on with stuff. I think it's a weird beat because they, they, they write, like I said, I refer to it as like a diamond structure plot-wise, narrative-wise because everything blows out from the first game and it's like, well, here's all this open world stuff that you can do, blah, blah, blah and then it ties back in again at the very end which are, like, some of the best games should, but in terms of an overall trilogy structure, I wonder how much, um, you know, they're writing this to be as wide as possible so that she's almost doesn't have a specific arc anymore. I also wonder how much um, Guerrilla knew they'd be doing an entire multi-part franchise back at the beginning because this doesn't feel like a planned installment like in terms of you know the first game was like everything got answered apart from the one thing at the very end like post credit scene uh, with silence and Hades and then it's like, okay where did that signal come from The activated Hades let's go explore that and I guess like yeah but that's the very fact that that is post-credits and everything else is answered Horizon could almost be a one-off like mm. the, for the first game it's like a perfect little one-off um, and the stuff that they pick out and prod out here um, I feel like they're expanding the world to be like here's all these different tribes all these different um, belief systems and all these different ways to be because I think I said this last week, but it's like now the IPS to support so much more. There's a movie coming. There's a VR experience coming. There's obviously going to be a third game and everything. And so it it almost has to be watered down to spread it out more. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's not that it's not that satisfying in the moment, but it doesn't have the drive and the passion that Zero Dawn had in terms of the character writing. Yeah, um, Like, I love the build, the whole game build of, um, you know, Aloy being on the receiving end, of like, oh, you're barely worth anything because you don't have a mum and who are you really? And then she's finding out this stuff about the past, and then who she is, and whatever, and it all builds to that one scene where, um, you know, she comes out of the big mech door, having activated everything, because she has the DNA of Elizabeth Sobeck, and all the people who were chastising her all bow to her, and they're all, all, on a dime, they're just sort of like, oh, actually, no, you're you're the anointed, we love you, and I love her reactions I'm my favourite scene in that whole game, Mm -hmm. where she's like, I am not your anointed, and I just love that she's like, get up off the floor, don't talk to me, like, who are you now? Like, I just love that scene, and there's nothing like that in this game at all.
3: Yeah, I I feel like, like you said, you know, there's kind of such interesting ideas, but that, in this game amounts to people saying, you're the savior of Meridian. And she says, I'm just Aloy. And she'll say that over and over again for like 20 hours, you know? And it's kind of like, okay, but what else is there? Yeah. For me, when I look at the cast of characters, I just I just see more interesting people that I want to spend more time with. I see Katalo? like, Catalo is obviously great. I love uh, Zoe. I think yeah. Zoe is excellent. You know, there's a lot of Tanakh, uh especially the Tanakh female warriors that are like really great. interesting and well-written. Regala is a great villain. You know what I mean? I just feel like, Aloy herself is surrounded by interesting people, and intentionally, Gorilla don't give her time to kind of like stop and sit down and kind of be fleshed out, because admittedly, in the plot, she is always on the move, you know, she's intentionally pushing down a lot of her feelings so she can get to the next point. Yeah, but yeah. I kind of, I need a bit more. I need to see, you know, it's teased all the way through about her relationship with Rost and how did she ever mm-hmm. like get over that or whatever? Like, how was she feeling about that? Because she went through so much loss. Mm-hmm. She, she encountered so much loss in that first game and then she pushed it all down, which is quite, makes for interesting drama, but not necessarily an
2: interesting character to follow who doesn't open up in that way. They do they do have a scene where she talks about Rost that I thought was weirdly handled. Like, uh, it'd be something that'll come up in the ending. I explain stuff because um, it was just something where I was like ah you've kind of, the way you've weaved that narrative line I would rather you didn't and that's vague as hell. I think but, I got to this and I think I actually right. liked
3: it which is interesting. Oh, oh, when well, we do the spoiler podcast we'll talk about okay. it more in depth.
2: But um, yeah that's the one thing that I think could potentially be in its favour is that you know she is very much done with like like I said it was almost like a product of coming after the anointed scene from Zero Dawn because this is only six months after um, and it's one of those things where she's kind of just, she's so done with everything and um, that could just be that she literally has the weight of the world on her shoulders and so she's just like, can you just do this? Can you get on with this? I'm just Aloy, can you just do these things? Um, but it doesn't feel that consistent. I think that it lacks an arc. She's always, She pretty much ends the game where she starts um, in terms of where she is as a person, um, which is completely different to Zero Dawn. And obviously if this is a middle installment, maybe when we look back on it after a third one, um, this will just feel like this propulsive sort of big mesh of a middle installment that can support a movie and a VR experience and whatever, um, and they'll do more character work in the third one or something. But yeah, it's fascinating to watch all the um, responses to it because I feel like it is absolutely stunning. It is a showcase of what a PS5 can do. Um, Guerrilla have actually knocked it out of the park with the PS4 one as well. Like Mm -hmm. watching the uh, gameplay clips for that, it still seems incredible on PS4, even though it is a massive step up on PS5. Um, but yeah, we'll dive into Horizon um, and everything else going forward. There's Cyberpunk's update, which I don't know if anyone's going to get back to that thing. That game's I, great now. I love this. I love this
3: podcast because at the start we were like, "There's so much to talk about. We won't talk about Horizon today. We'll talk about it like to, maybe tomorrow or something." And then we got into it. And it's like, well, we can't not talk about Horizon, I know, right? You know,
2: it's just, that's the thing. I'm like, Horizon is the big game right now, and obviously, Elden Ring is going to be on Friday. That'll be the thing that um, crosses over multiple platforms and everything. Um, it's worth throwing in here. The Ollie Ollie World is phenomenal. I hit credits <laughs> on that game yesterday. Um, Gorgeous game, phenomenal soundtrack, brilliant controls, great little skateboarding game, like best skating game in in how long? Like, I mean, Skate 2, it's been a while. (laughs) <laughs> like, obviously, there's a Pro Skater remakes, but I mean, like yeah. it's a new thing. Oli um, Oli World is brilliant. I'm mentioning that game because it's going to get absolutely it is drowning in amongst everything else. Um, but yeah, we'll dive into Hel- Elden Ring uh, going forward. But this week's main podcast, we'll revisit Horizon in a bit more depth because um, I know Ben Roy is going through it as well. Um, and we'll see what else we can touch on. If any other things break, we'll talk about them. Um, but for now, this has been the wind up. I've been your host, Scott Telford joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Telford Always a pleasure to be listened to you by anyone that's else. Right.
3: That's right. That's the thing. That's the that's English. the official podcaster the- of